Welcome to the Association 4.0 podcast, your association's no-fluff playbook to navigating and thriving in Industry 4.0 or the digital marketplace. Each week, we bring expert insights to help you and your association stay ahead of the curve. Hello, my name is Sherry Budziak, and I'm the host of the Association 4.0 podcast. I'm excited today to have my guest, uh, Reggie Henry. Uh, Reggie is the Chief Information and Engagement Officer, um, where he has the leading IT initiatives for 26 years at ASAE. So, wow, Reggie, 26 years. It's amazing. (laughs) It's a long time, isn't it? Um, Congratulations. That's amazing. So uh, Reggie also serves on the board of the uh, National Association of Colleges and Employers and is a board chair for the MP Greater D.C. Region. So welcome, Reggie. Thanks for joining me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, So tell our audience about yourself and your responsibilities um, with the American Society of Association execs. Yeah, so... Uh, for folks who can't remember that mouthful, we're ASAE. <laughs> um, but but um, I started my career actually um, with uh, a big eight accounting firm. My first job was with what was then Coopers and Libran, um, doing uh, technology consulting um, and that sort of stuff. The way I got into this association space, and this is something that's pretty wild, is my mother worked for an association and her father worked for an association. So I'm a third generation association person. Wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> Pretty rare, right? Pretty rare. Um, and the way I got into this is uh, I had a, a, a company way back then called Henry Canelli and Associates, and we provided technology consulting to a number of different industries, one of them being some associations. And my mother was in Minnesota and Minneapolis having her annual meeting and she called up and she says, our meeting registration software is broken. I was like, well, call your meeting registration software vendor. They can probably help you with that better than I can. And she said, we called the vendor and they're not giving us satisfactory answers. And I said, well, sorry, Ma. She said, no, don't be sorry. Get on a plane, get your butt up here to Minneapolis and I expect you here in the morning. And then she hung up the phone. So I guess that's what she meant for me to do. So I went up to Minneapolis, uh, helped them do whatever they were doing, but then really fell in love with the association environment all over again. You know, it was their annual meeting. So I was at an annual meeting doing what association execs did and said, just realized that this is what I want to do. This is eventually made my way back in. That's great. This is a great story. I yeah. love it. <laughs> Yeah. That's kind of like I told my daughter, um, we had our an innovation summit about a month ago, and I told my kids, I'm like, you're going to be there, and this is what you're going to do. They're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> they were a little bored, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah. well, it, it was great. You know, my mother worked for a couple of associations. She also worked on the, the business side. There was, um, this was back in the, I guess, the late six, six in the 60s. Um, we didn't have internet, we didn't have email and all of that sort of stuff. And there were big, large mailing houses that did all the mailings on behalf of the associations. Oh, yeah. And one of them was called CISC Mailing Services. And my mother worked there for a few years. So I got to see when I went to work with her, um, 
all the different mailings that different associations were doing to their members. So both sides of that association uh, um, equation are in my blood. <laughs> that's very cool. I, I didn't know that about you, Reggie. I learned yeah. something new today. That's that's very cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think it's interesting that your, your title, um, especially being a CIO, includes the word engagement because it puts technology squarely in the context of member satisfaction. So talk to me a bit about how you build a view the relationship between technology and the customer. Yeah, and, and so I, I'll tell you my philosophy around it, but to tell you how we are living that philosophy a little bit. Um, um, I, I sometimes refer to myself as a reluctant technologist. Um, and, and I feel that way because I think too many times we think technology is the solution to something when it never is the solution to anything. It's an enabler, it's a helper, it's part of what you need to deliver good solutions, but it's not the solution to things. And so we recently, I shouldn't say recently, I guess it was three years ago now, we were starting to think about, okay, what is our digital transformation gonna look like? When are we gonna redo our infrastructure? And we started down a very traditional path, Sharon. You know, we said, well, we should meet with every department and find out what their pain points are and all and I, I listened to that for about a half an hour and I was just like, no, stop, <laughs> stop. <laughs> We're not doing that. <clears throat> because traditionally associations will do that and they end up with technology that serves their staff very well. Yep. What about the members? And yep. so we, we, I kind of talked this, us into doing a very broad customer behavior study. And I convinced us that if we can't retool this organization's infrastructure based on what our customers, what our members' needs are, then shame on us. Yeah, we have to do some translation in the process, but we did a rather long, um, multifaceted customer behavior study. And some of that was focus groups and some of that was ethnography studies and some of that was traditional surveys. But what we ended up with were these maps of what our members expected of us and how they expected it delivered to us. What better way to build your infrastructure, right? What, what better way to think about it? And so that's now referred to as the voice of the member in our organization. And during that process, when we did the focus groups um, and the ethnography studies and conversations, we, our members allowed us to tape them. So right now, sure, if you were here and you said, Reggie, how do your members feel about um, how you provide conference services? I could take you to a dashboard where you could click on a button and hear them talk about it. Oh, that's right? fantastic. Isn't that cool? Yeah. And, and so, you know, your, your staff reacts a different way when they actually hear the members talking about yep. what they need yep. and see the members talking about why they need it. So um, we now have that, and that's what we're using to build um, our requirements for any infrastructure changes. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'll tell you a short story. It was probably, I don't know, 15 years ago, and it was when all these associations kept coming to me saying, we need an app, we need an app. Right. So and I was like, an app for what? Um, and the we had all these member interviews trying to figure out, like, why do we need an app? And the doctors basically finally I got one to say, you don't want to hear this. But when we're in the hospital and we need to look up guidelines as we're walking to, you know, a patient, 
we need quick access. So the staff interpreted it as, Sherry, the doctors need an app for the website. That's what they kept saying. They need an app for the website. And I was like, they can't need an app for the website. There's got to be something. So it did take that digging of what does that really mean and asking the right question over and over and over till you got the answer. And then when I was able to take that answer back to the staff, they're like, oh, yeah. But now the content that we have isn't going to fit in the app. I was like, yeah, now we've got something like the app wasn't solving for the problem, (laughs) right? So let's solve for the problem. (laughs) Yeah, you know, in in fact, um, uh, along those same lines, um, as part of the study, the first part of the study we did with staff, and I, I wanted staff to go through kind of an empathy kind of exercise. You know, oh. walking in our members' shoes a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we went through the exercise, you know, we asked the staff, how many, how many things do you think the members are trying to do when they come to our website? We came up with like 45 different things. When we got through with this study, our member said, nope, we don't hold you responsible for 45 things. We hold you responsible for these six things. And two of those were emotional things. Like we hold you responsible for engendering a sense of belonging with us. And so, you know, you can imagine my staff's face when I asked them, do our tools engender a sense of belonging when our members use them? And they had to really think about that. You know, what in our software, what in our technology, what in our website engenders a sense of belonging for our members? something of belonging to a greater sense of self. And I'm telling you all this because when it came down to, um, we used this jobs to be done mentality when we were thinking about all of this. Yeah. You know, we got it out of our head that our members come here like they go to Amazon. They don't come here searching in for things to buy. They come here because they have a job to do and a specific thing they're trying to get done. Right. And once we started to focus on that, not what we wanted to do, what the member wanted to do when they got here. It changed our outlook on how our technology should work. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Reggie, during your time at ASAE, what have you seen as the most significant changes in your approach to leading technology initiatives? Yeah, I, I think, and I, and I hope um, my colleagues are seeing the same thing because I'm seeing it more than ever is um, the the technology almost can get to a commodity thing. Um, What associations need is is people who can can really understand and dissect the business in a way that the solutions we provide meet the the test that they need to be. And so, you know, AMS system, CMS system, I, I don't care, but if you don't have that that understanding of what the business case is and what the business needs are. You can buy hardware and software to your heart's content. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the biggest change I've seen. My colleagues who I see who are being successful um, have have really embraced the the analyst role. They have really embraced the strategist role. Um, They have embraced listening as opposed to talking about what technology can do. They have listened to what the business needs it to do. Um, that's the major change I've seen. Yeah. Um, and plus this explosion of stuff now. You know, mm-hmm. we used to have, and I'll date both of us, 
um, to how old we are. We, we probably can remember when there were four or five association and management systems and two or three accounting systems in right. the life. Yeah. And, and now we just did a, a demo day not too long ago where we had um, 16 major association management systems and probably a waiting list of 10 other companies that wanted to do things. So, so we got to, we don't suffer from lack of tools anymore. Right. We do still suffer a little bit from lack of understanding the business needs and really putting things in place that, that constantly listen to what our members changing needs are. Yeah. When you start tools, sometimes we'll see organizations that we're doing technology assessments and we're like, why do we have all these tools? Because they were so easily accessible that a department has this tool and this department has that tool. And then, and then it's just ends up being, you know, chaos. Right. Um, or the other, when people will call us and say, we need a new X. My first question is why? Like, like, why, why are, why are you calling me wanting to rip out all of your systems? Like, what is the business need? But it's, you know, so there has been that kind of, um, as you said, that those organizations that are successful are really understanding business needs and not just saying, oh, we need a new, because we're, you know, we don't like our current system because it doesn't do something. I'm like, have, has everybody been trained? (laughs) Right. 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 Has everybody been trained? Because they, the AMS that you have right now is the same one that you bought. So yeah. something, something must have happened in the meantime. Either you didn't get proper training for staff or either you missed your requirements. So something happened, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's setups that are wrong, all of those yeah. other, all those things. Um, so Reggie, to kind of switch gears a little bit, what do you think and you know, in, the, in our space that are going to be the challenges uh, or were the challenges over the last couple of years? Yeah, I, I think two or three things. Yeah, that's a good, just a great question. Um, I hope what everybody learned in the last two or three years was that two things. One, and we had a, this conversation. I remember us having this conversation at some point in time that, that work is not a place. Work is stuff that has to get done. And we fought so long um, against having collaboration tools in the association workspace. And we fought so long with having people having flexible and remote schedules in the workplace. And it's bad and we could never operate our organizations this way. And then all of a sudden we could. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah overnight. All of a we could, yeah, we yeah. could. Something that would probably take five years took, you know, three months yeah. for most associations to get their head around. So I, I hope we learn one, that work is not a place and that we can solve problems a lot faster. For we can sure. solve problems a lot faster. You know, we were forced into a situation where the requirements were very self-evident. You know, we had to be able to work from home. We had to be able to, so those requirements were right there in front of us. Um, and I think about how long we go through requirements processes now, but it's like you're telling me it's gonna take you a year to, to develop requirements for you. <laughs> So I, I'm hoping that we've learned that in the last two or three years, um, that, that work is not a place. I, I think um, what, we, what I've seen anyway is that, <clears throat> and this is particular to meetings, um, Sherry, when we had our first virtual annual meeting, um, and keep in mind, ASAE's annual meeting is typically five to 6,000 people, depending on location, right? Mm-hmm. We have it in six. In San Diego, it's closer to 6,000. If you have it somewhere else, it's close to 5,000. 
When we had that first virtual annual meeting, we had 15,000 people show up. Yes, yes, we made it free, but still we had 10,000 more people who were interested in the work that the association does. And now we, 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 you know, we're trying to get back to this normal that, that ain't really there anymore, quite honestly. But we're gonna have our first face-to-face -face annual meeting in two years in Nashville. And the numbers are great. They look like pre-COVID numbers, okay? So we're gonna get back into that, you know, five to 6,000 range. My question to us and to every other association, what about those 10,000 other people that came into the tent during COVID? What are you gonna do? Right, right. And I'm, I'm hoping that our organizations aren't arrogant. I'm hoping that we don't say, well, they weren't there. And the, I'm hoping we don't do that. I'm hoping that we realize that a number of those people, those 10,000 people um, couldn't afford to go to the annual meeting. They're too young in their careers and their organization won't let them go to the annual meeting. There's a, probably a whole bunch of reasons in addition to finances why those people, most of 10 who tend to be younger and early in those careers, the future of our associations. Yeah. Probably a lot of reasons why they couldn't go to an annual meeting. And so, yes, um, we are going to make some of that content available to people post annual meeting. I hope everybody is thinking that way. We invited a lot more people into the tent. We can't uninvite them. Right. We can't. Yeah. So I'm hoping right. there's lessons like that that we've learned over the last two years that stick with us. Well, and you and I were talking a couple of weeks ago. It's not even financial. Like my daughter's birthday is during the annual meeting. She's going to be 16. I just, I have to make a choice, right? Like you're making a choice. So there's those things. That, and back years ago, um, I worked with a large association that they actually went through a process of the types of people that belong to their organizations and there was, they went through personas and they're like, these types of people never come to a meeting, but they do engage with us remotely. And these types of people always come to a meeting, et cetera. So we learn that very quickly, mm -hmm. right? And so to your point, hopefully organizations are starting to think like, let's not revert back, but how do we take what we were able to do and somehow continue to serve the other 10,000 people, right? That's right, that's right, yeah. you know, and, and I did a little bit of poor man's research and said, let me look at the demographics of this population of people, especially the first timers of the 10,000 people, okay? They skewed younger, they, they skewed more ethically diverse. They, they, I mean, they skewed all those ways that we say conscious inclusion ought to be taken care of. Right. Right. You know, and so um, just made me really thoughtful. Yeah. Me really it thoughtful. Is, yeah, it is. It is interesting just to see, um, you know, to really kind of reflect on that. Right. And, to, and just to make sure that we are being conscious of. And, and there's people that and I've learned over through this process. Um, there were people that I kind of started that I was friends with. Right. And they would they would come. I'll just give you an example. They'd come to our meetings and they were always like by my side. But I would like introduce them to people, but they would kind of like stick along with me, which I thought was like, huh, that's interesting because um, I was introducing them to people. But when they got in an online format, they started telling me 
Well, Sherry, it's because I'm an introvert and I'll be outgoing behind a screen, but I don't like being in person. I don't like those networking environments. I was like, wow, really? I would have never thought that. Like I just, it never, I never thought that. So there are just those behavioral things that, that we've learned, I think too. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's very, it's been very interesting. And so how do we make sure that we are being, you know, keeping those types of folks in mind or the people that just don't want to hassle with the travel or whatever it looks like. Right. And I think, you know, it, it speaks to what, what the association business model needs to do in the future, because quite honestly, just like most, a lot of associations, our business model for our meetings is built on exhibitors and sponsors being there and there being an exhibit hall and all of those kinds of things. In addition to the education, but you know, we have a business model built around that. That's right. And as I watched organizations struggle with how to have hybrid meetings, well, before even hybrid, how to have virtual meetings and try to duplicate that business model in virtual spaces, Simon says, no, go. Right. <laughs> so it just yeah. didn't work. And I remember we had our first meeting after we got sent home was MMCC, which was like a month later, which we had to convert to virtual and expecting people to get into these virtual exhibit booths and talk to people. And the exhibitors gave us a royal skewering after that, like, Mm -hmm. how dare you charge me the same money that you would normally charge me for that kind of, you know, right. That's how we came up with the demo days thing, quite honestly, is we said, we've got to create some value in a different way. And so the demo days, you know, we just had the, when we just had the latest AMS demo days, um, we were averaging 100 people for, per demo. Mm-hmm. And so what the exhibitors were getting was 45 minutes, 100 people watching their product, which means they're qualified leads. We can't do that in a real time. So right. I think we got to rethink some stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. For you gotta sure. rethink some stuff. Yeah, for sure. That's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and and everyone's learned like you can do it. We can do this. So t- now it's challenging yeah. us not to go back to you know. Well, we just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> um, so I guess Reggie, another question: What do you see as IT's role on on your organization's leadership team? Like I've always said, like. I would get frustrated when we're working with groups. I'm like, IT needs to be at the table. Um, I think, I think it's a pivotal, you know, everything's digital. So, but I want to hear from you, like, what is your, what do you think? I think, and you can see the difference, Sherry, when, when there's uh, an IT person that's part of the senior team and when there's not, you can tell the difference when you walk in the organization. And it's not the number of computers. It's not the shininess of the software. It's not any of that. It's the strategic use of technology that you can see immediately. Mm-hmm. And I think the, you know, the IT being at the table um, isn't to buy more technology. That's not why they're there. They're there to make sure that whatever technology they buy is serving the strategic needs of the organization. That's why they're there. And that means that if you expect your, your IT to, to serve the strategic needs of the organizations, then IT needs to be there when those strategic conversations are happening. That's yeah. why they're there. It's not about um, 
you know, I don't care if you, you call me the director of IT. I don't care if you call me the coordinator of IT. The issue is I need to be involved in those conversations. Exactly. The organization to be different. So it's not about title and prestige. It's about what do you want your organization to be able to do? Uh, so, you know, so that that's my, 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 my main thing. Having said that, uh, I think I, I see a lot of, of association technology people who won't take the time to learn other things about the association. Good you point. Know, you yeah. know, if you think about it, you know, I, I, I tell all of them, and this isn't just about being an ASAE. If you go study for your CAE exam, you learn so much about all the other parts of the association and you become immediately more valuable. Yeah. Immediately more valuable. You know, if you don't decide you don't want to do that, you know, when you go to, to, to the annual meeting or whatever meeting, take some classes on membership, take some classes on meeting planning, take some classes on all the facets of the association so that you start to know strategically what needs to go on. Um, so I, I think that's the thing that I think the, that the role that IT has to play increasingly in the future, because quite honestly, um, think about about the typical association now and 10 years ago. 10 years ago, you needed to know how to um, do a whole bunch of server related things. You, you, most likely your big AMS was on-prem. You had to maintain all of that, blah, 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 blah. And now you're buying an AMS service from somebody. Mm -hmm. So the skill set that's needed to be a, an effective technologist in an organization is quickly moving from hardware and software based to strategy and requirements based. Yeah. Well, I've seen too, um, you'll appreciate this, Reggie, you know, we'll, we'll have clients that were helping um, implement a new AMS. And this was back, back in the good old days when I was able to do hallway conversations. Right. And I'm like, and IT is not at the table. And I hear from the CEO, oh, we're going to do a uh, membership model change. What? Wait, hold on. We just, we just like, we just set all that up in the AMS or we're going to launch a new website. And, but we're going through a new um, brand identity. What? Wait, yes. hold on a second. <laughs> like now this is going to cost the organization because you didn't have IT at the table. Like That's even right. like, as you said, it doesn't even matter what level, but IT understanding what is coming up and helping the organization, like enable the organization one and two, make sure that you're doing everything in the right order, right? <laughs> like, right. There's a sequencing that needs yeah. to happen. There's some foundational yeah. things you have to have in place for the organization to run. There's a different set of foundational things you need to have in place for the organization to grow. I mean, this is stuff yeah. that, that you need. And yeah. you know, I, I always use the example of, you know, you can have a Ferrari sitting in your driveway and if the tires are flat, you can't go nowhere. <laughs> yeah. That's a good you one. You can't go. You need to have the tires ready to go when you start the Ferrari up. So it, it's that mentality of, you know, forget about the fact that I don't want to pay a CIO salary. Um, and we can have conversations about whether that's smart or not. The fact of the matter is whoever the highest ranking technology person is at your organization needs to be there when you're having strategic conversations. Yeah. And if you're not, Damn it! Hire somebody to do that. Yeah. Well, well, I I had one um, group contact me, and they had worked two years on a strategic plan, handed it to me, and said, "Sherry, everything's got an IT component. We don't know what to do with this." 
I was like, oh no. <laughs> so, and frankly, they couldn't, they couldn't implement the plan. Like they did not have the infrastructure and it's taken them years to, so anyway, that's a whole, that's a whole nother half hour conversation. <laughs> you know, the, the sequencing of how an organization runs its business is important. And just like, you know, if that IT person would have been there doing the strategic plan development process yep. and begin to start planning infrastructure as that conversation was happening. Right. Exactly. Right. So, yeah, hopefully our listeners got the point. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> IT yeah. at the table. IT at the table. Right. Um, so what do you feel are your biggest challenges and rewards right now, Reggie? Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest challenge is, I think there's several of them, okay? And, and I'm seeing my colleagues um, struggle, succeed, and att attack these different ways, okay? One is, I think what it takes to be successful um, in today's world um, is not based on the experiences that your members are having with you. I think the biggest fear I have is the experiences my members have everywhere else. Like the experience wow. they have with using an Uber, for example. You know, they got this app, um, they can push a button, a car shows up, they can pay for it. They, they can do everything they want right there in their hands very quickly. Okay, that kind of experience. I always tell our staff, our biggest competition is the last great digital experience our members had somewhere else. Yeah because that's driving their expectations. That really is. And so, you know, getting that mindset, uh, not only here um, with our staff, uh, my staff, but with our senior team in general, of here's what we're up against in terms of competition. And, and here's what you're gonna need these systems to do at some point in time and, and having that mentality. So, um, and, I hope people don't take this as me as bashing anybody in our profession, because it's not. But the tools that we have uh, need to change drastically. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the AMS systems that we have now don't provide me the resources I need to be, excuse me, as agile and responsive to our members um, as I need to be. Yep. They don't. And, 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 and so, you know, you know, when I look at the number of systems that we've added to our ecosystem outside of the AMS, um, I'm questioning the whole infrastructure model of associations. What should be at the center? And for me, I'm just speaking for me. And I think, you know, again, the reason I'm saying this and being very candid about it is that we've got a committed set of vendors in this profession. AMS vendors, website vendors, and we all need to rethink this thing together a little bit. Um, but when I'm thinking about what's really helping ASAE thrive right now, it's not having these, these central systems, but the systems that, that serve our members being better. Like we are high logic customer, obviously, because um, at the time, the, the community management software and our AMS didn't do the job. Right. How many associations have an external registration system? Most. You know, how many of them have external e-commerce systems? And I can go on and on and on. Yeah. Member-facing technology is where the rumba meets the road. And so we have to be flexible there. 
which means we need less in this central place, right? We don't need it to do as much anymore. We need it to be a traffic cop. We need it to manage some of the things going on. Um, but that infrastructure changes differently. Uh, it's different. Uh, Sherry, I went back and looked at a presentation I did um, probably back in the early 90s about why associations needed a centralized AMS system. And, you know, two or three. I remember that presentation. <laughs> <laughs> two or three of the things aren't necessary anymore. You know, we used to have it that we dumped all of our data in here so we can have a 360 degree look at our members. Yep. I'm getting that out of my data analytics platform. Right. And, you know, I can go down this list of those things that we said we needed it for. Um, and I think those needs are different. And so I think as a community, we really do have to think about what's the new infrastructure that's going to take associations into the next century. Because if you look at what we, if you go into any association right now, I bet you the infrastructure looks pretty similar to what it looked like 25 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to the, I mean, frankly, to the vendors, if there's vendors listening to this um, podcast, CEOs are calling me asking that question. They just are. And I, I have a group that is actually going to implement um, what we would all consider kind of a traditional AMS, but they are only implementing the membership piece. They've got systems to do everything else. Right. Um, and so it, even with the, the traditional model, it's having those companies kind of rethink, like rethink those, the services and what they're providing because it's, start, it's looking different and people are right. starting to understand that um, it's really that, you know, what, as members, what are we cons consuming and how are we doing that? And are you making it easy and right. all of those types of things? And what's that user experience? And it's funny back, and, and, and I think everybody's getting better at that whole user experience, yeah. but sometimes we would sit back and we're doing something and, and an organization said they're struggling with X, Y, and Z. And we're like, yeah, because some developer coded this. Like nobody looked at it from the from the the end user side, right? Um, and we're still we've got a lot of that legacy going on still right. today. And, and I think of you know I I really hope some vendors are listening to this, and I'm hoping that that you know I always wish doing the, we have these conversations that I had that we had pairs of people listening. You know, a CIO at an organization and the vendors that they use to provide services. So we, we hear all this stuff at the same time, because I, I will tell you that um, if, if you still think your competition is the next, if you're an AMS vendor and you think your main com competition is another AMS vendor, please think differently. Yeah. Your competition, just like my competition, is the last really good episode that one of our members had using some other technology. Yeah. You know, and I just, you know, you think about the difference between taxi service 10 years ago and using an Uber. You know, you think about the fact that overnight, everybody delivered food. Every single person that you used to buy food from, from the, you know, the Asian restaurant on the corner to major restaurants figured out, oh, we have a big clientele of people that we need to change our business to deliver food to their door. 
Um, so everybody changed. And, yeah. and those experiences linger with our members. And so yeah. if we can't figure out how to be agile and convenient um, and, and uh, customized to our members, our tools, if our tools can't figure that out, um, we've got a new an awakening coming. Yeah, because human behavior has changed. I, mean, I just had a conversation with somebody telling me, I'll give you an example of Walmart. They're like, I hate Walmart, hate Walmart. But we get all of our groceries from Walmart because she's, and I didn't even know this. They're like, Sherry, we have a subscription. We pay X and they deliver it to my front door. I never have to step into a Walmart. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Now I'm, now they told me the story. Now I've got to look and see like, what are they talking about? Like I can get those groceries at my Absolutely. door for $99 a year, whatever it is. I'm like, that's amazing. So, right. Then that's the human behavior now. So, so really thinking hard about what that means to, to our organizations. That's right. um, so I guess on the same technology note, Reggie, what technologies do you think associations will be using in the future that we're not using now? Sherry, you know, one of the things that drives me insane is the lack of, of mobile use by associations. Yeah. That drives me freaking insane. Everybody <laughs> has an app for their meetings, right? Yeah. But We've had apps forever. <laughs> You think about, again, the last great experience your members had, it probably was on a mobile device because we do everything there. Why we can't figure out that we need to, and if that means we need to change how our services are delivered or what services we deliver, then we need to do that because um, if, if we can't figure out how to get into our members' hands, then we're losing the battle because everybody else is in their hands. So I think mobile technology is, is one of those technologies. Um, the second one is, and I don't care if you're a large or small association, if you haven't figured out how to use analytics to give you a better insight into what your organization is doing and how it's doing it, um, then shame, shame on you. And, and you don't have to use a big old system. My first data analytics projects that we did at ASAE, I did on a spreadsheet um and powerpoint graphs so but embrace the concept of data analytics until you realize because you realize soonly after you do that oh i need a platform to do this for me well uh, so i think that technology is important moving forward i think we all got now um, that we need collaborative work technology whether it's teams or whatever else you decide to use um, to be able to be responsive, one, but two, to be reactive. If something, if another virus hits or if for whatever reason, I think we, we got a crash course in, in business continuity over the last two years. That's for sure, yeah. It really means to have tools to do that. So, you know, those are the things I'm, I'm hoping people got out of that. You got to, work's not a place and you got to create the tools to allow your organization to thrive differently. Um, in the near future. Um, your data is your most important asset, not just your structured data, but your unstructured data too. And you need technologies in place to harvest that data in different ways than just the financial one. And the third one is mobile. We're sleeping on freaking mobile. We really are <laughs> in ways that I just, mm. Yeah. Well, to follow up on that, I, I had, uh, my team is working with a, a medical society 
who were doing some interviews. And anyway, they were talking to some of the younger members and they said, and one of the, the people they interviewed, they said, oh, we don't go to the association to get that medical information anymore. We get it from, from these doctors that we follow on TikTok. I was like, what? I was like, that can't be like, come on. You guys heard them wrong. They're like, oh, I started following them on TikTok. Like, and they are, they're like, they see them as leaders in their space. They're following on the TikTok and that's where they're getting their information. I was shocked. And I was like, wow, we're, we're sleeping at the wheel here, people. <laughs> and in the example you gave earlier, I'm going to use it that that. The example of people don't want your website on mobile. They want solutions on mobile. So the example you gave of the doctor saying, no, I don't need your website. I need to be able to answer these specific questions or something. That's what mobile's all about. Yeah. You know, mobile isn't about what you have to sell. It's about what your members need. And so figuring that out, asking those questions is, Google did some research probably six or seven years ago now where they, they, they called it moments of need. And, and you figuring out what are those moments of needs for your members? Um, that, that's, what they, that's what they had here. Yeah. That, that spontaneous types of needs that, that, that you can answer in a mobile fashion and be there. You know, I'm thinking about it now as we're talking. So my staff's getting ready to get an earful. But, <laughs> you know, you think about, we've got these big benchmarking studies that we do. Okay. Mm-hmm. If somebody's sitting at their desk and they, like you said, you were getting ready to hire somebody, that's a moment of need. You shouldn't have to go to some big old platform somewhere or pull out a book. You ought to be able to say, Reggie, I'm getting ready to hire a director of membership. What do salaries look like in the DC area? And that should be right here in your freaking hand, shouldn't it? Yep. That <laughs> should be right there in your hand. <laughs> um, so I think just rethinking that stuff from the customer's point of view. Um, is where technology needs to end. So Reggie, um, to follow up on that, what do you think that is, uh, what kind of advice can you give association leaders for success over the next few years? Yeah, I, I think, um, and we talked about some of it, is that it's not really about you. It's about your members. It really is about your members and their changing environment. And so if you don't have somebody in the organization paying attention to your members and their changing environment, you're going to get left in, in the dust and probably already are starting to get left in the dust. So that, that's a, that, to me, that's the first. Thing. The second thing is we've proven that the tent's a lot larger than we thought the tent was. Mm-hmm. We've proven that. I don't know any association that had a virtual meeting um, where they had less people come to the virtual meeting. Most of them had more people come to the virtual meeting and different people, younger people and and darker skinned people and all more introverted people come to their annual meetings virtually. You can't let let that go, especially the, 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 the folks who have never been before. That's the future of the organization. So I think that's, that's one of the things that I, that I hope we took out of there. Um, and the third one is I've seen associations be more freaking agile and more responsive in the last two years than I've ever seen in my career, which is a long one right now, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so that gene is there somewhere in us. It might be hidden, but we have the responsive gene. We have the agile gene. Um, but if we can get rid of the I shouldn't say this on the podcast. 
we can get rid of our stupid gene, <laughs> our, 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 you know, normal, back to normal yeah. gene. I think we could do some, some pretty amazing things in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So a last question I'll, I'll ask you, Reggie. I know this has been amazing. I could talk to you all day, um, but I know eventually you need to get home. <laughs> um, but what do you think, I guess, do you feel that ASAE's business model or just in general association business models um, are going to change in the near future? And if not, I guess we're changing, why not? We're changing now. You know, we, we recently did a strategic plan. Okay. It was a pretty big deal for us to do a strategic plan. And even the fact that we said that when we're done, the strategic plan has to fit on one page was a bigger, different thing for us, okay? Um, Michelle's down here now, as you know, and she's an idea freaking minute, yeah. um, which I love, which I love, um, because we're starting to now have this mentality of, of change, this mentality of change, and also this mentality of performance excellence. Um, in, in our organization right now. So we're changing. Uh, I think Michelle and I were actually sitting down earlier because um, it's, it's board meeting time and we're thinking about the number of new things that we've done this year. Um, and we smiled a little bit. You know, in, in the midst of coming out of COVID, um, you'll see some of these at the annual meeting, so I can't talk about them when nobody's around. So one of the things we're going to be, <laughs> be launching is this Ready Me program that's designed to meet um, uh, middle staff, level staff people and give them the tools they need to move up in their organizations, okay? That's gonna be a new program. We have something called the Association's Insight Center, project that we're doing um, with Association Foreman McKinley to focus on just-in-time research and just-in-time data needs of associations. There's like four or five other things that that can be major that we just piloted this year to see what the interest was and in, in, in how successful it could be. And that idea of experimentation, an experimentation alongside your members about problems that they're facing right now um, is what's going to drive our organization in the next several years for sure. That's terrific. So, I, well, Thanks so much, Reggie. This has been some great insights and advice and it's so terrific to hear from you and get the, your breadth of experience in IT and association community. Um, and we want to thank our listeners uh, for tuning in and hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much, Reggie. Pleasure to be here at any time. I love this kind of stuff. <laughs> great. Oh, and one last thing before we leave, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, Reggie at ASAECenter.org. Can't be much simpler than that, right? All right, great. Thanks so much, Reggie. Pleasure to do it. We hope you enjoyed this episode and discovered tips and information that will add value to your leadership style and your association. .org Source specializes in positioning teams for success with solutions for technology, strategy, and marketing please contact us at info at orgsource.com or visit www.orgsource.com to find out how to keep your organization on track to Association 4.0.